You're listening to the Gluten-Free Guide Podcast with your host, Vanessa Weisbrod. Welcome to the Gluten-Free Guide Podcast. I'm Vanessa Weisbrod, and I want to start out by saying a huge thank you to all of our dedicated listeners. And of course, I want to welcome my amazing co-host to the studio today, Sandy Werness from the Global Autoimmune Institute. Welcome, Sandy. Hey, everyone. Today, we have a very special episode of the podcast that features some of our most loyal listeners. They are all adorable kids who have some burning questions for doctors about celiac disease and the gluten-free diet. To start out, we have with us Ava, who is 10 years old and in sixth grade from Maryland. She was diagnosed with celiac disease when she was eight. From the time she was diagnosed, Ava worked very hard to learn about celiac disease and how to manage the gluten-free diet. She loves swimming playing tennis and piano, as well as taking care of younger children and baking. She hopes to create more awareness about celiac disease. That's great. We're so happy to have you, Ava. And I'm introducing Miles. He's eight years old and is going into third grade. He was diagnosed with celiac disease at three years old. He loves playing Minecraft and Fortnite, going swimming and traveling. He was so excited to participate in the inaugural Celiac Cruise because he could order anything he wanted off the menu, including all of the desserts. What a great experience, Miles. Welcome. And finally, we have Brandon, who is six years old and going into first grade in Boston. He was diagnosed with celiac disease when he was three years old. He loves playing basketball, riding his bike, and playing Pokemon. He also loves gluten-free cupcakes, pizza, and salmon sushi. He helps every year at the Children's National Gluten-Free Education Day and loves teaching kids about gluten-free food. We have here today two wonderful and dedicated physicians to answer these questions. We have Dr. Danny Mallon, the director of the Celiac Disease Program at Cincinnati Children's Hospital, and Dr. Ritu Verma, the director of the Celiac Disease Center at the University of Chicago. Welcome and thank you for being here. So let's dive right in. So we're going to start out with the first question from Brandon. Brandon, go ahead. Dr. Verma, why does celiac disease run for families? So Brandon, uh, first of all, I'm really excited at doing this podcast as well. Um, And a little nervous, you know, because come on, you guys could be asking me a lot of questions that I have no answers for. Uh, But let's see if I can attempt this one. So why does celiac disease run in families? I think... You know, I thought about this question in terms of how can one explain this? So if we think about why do certain families have certain children have blue eyes? Why do certain children have green eyes? Why do certain children have brown eyes? And their parents may not have, one may have green and one may have blue. So why is it that children have different colored eyes? So it goes back to what our parents have. There's certain things called genes. So if there are specific genes, and in celiac disease, there are specific genes that are associated with that condition. So if your parents, one or both of your parents have those genes, then it runs in families. So just like if one parent has brown and the other has green, some children will have brown eyes, some will have green eyes, right? So depending on the genes that your mom and dad are carrying, it depends on that, that you end up with a disease. So your parents carry the gene, they thank you, and they give you the disease. That's how it runs in families. Great. Does that help, Brandon? Does that answer your question? Yep. Okay, All right. great. All right, Miles, you're up. Dr. Mallon, 
Can I give celiac disease to, to my friends? Miles, that's a really important question, and thanks. Uh, I, too, am excited to be here. Let me answer that question. Can I give celiac disease to my friends? No, you can't. That's a much easier question than what Dr. Verma just had to answer. Celiac disease is a problem with how your immune system reacts to gluten in your food. And it is not something that is passed uh, by one another like a germ, like a cold or a bacteria infection or something like that. It's not something that's contagious or something that you can pass within people. It's just how your body works when you have celiac disease. Great question. All right, Ava, what do you have for them? Dr. Verma, right now my brother doesn't have celiac disease. Could he get it someday too? So Ava, um, the answer is yes. And if you recall, we talked about genes that um, your parents have. So if your brother has those genes and is eating gluten, if there's a chance that he could end up with celiac disease. It does not mean that if he has the genes, he has to have the disease. But because you have the condition, there's one in a 10 chance that your brother may end up with celiac disease as well. But for now, I think you should tell him you're the lucky one who has the disease. Okay, Brandon, you're up. Dr. Malin, what does it look like inside a kid's belly? That is a cool question. And you know what? It's one of the reasons why I love my job, because I love the human body. And I have the really cool privilege of being able to look inside kids' bellies. We have these cool tools called endoscopes that uh, are a long tube with a light and a camera on them. And I can kind of guide that into a kid's belly, into their stomach and into their intestine where your food gets absorbed. And I can look and see what it all looks like. Do you know what it looks like? Like It looks like a garden hose that kind of I'm pushing a tube through, almost like thinking like a straw, looking down a straw into a garden hose. And I can see the inner walls of that tube of the intestine. And so I can see that the lining is there and that lining is this rough textured lining that acts like a sponge and soaks up all the good things that you eat. When people have celiac disease, what goes on is your body fights off gluten as if it's, um, as if it's a germ, but it's not a germ. And it, it reacts to gluten and it causes what we call inflammation. It's kind of like a fight. It kind of kills off what it thinks is bad for you. But in the process, it starts to damage that lining. And so that lining, instead of being this rough texture like a sponge or a towel, gets really smooth because that rough texture gets damaged. And so sometimes you can tell just by looking with our endoscope tools that kids with celiac disease have an abnormal looking inside of their intestine. But the nice thing is when you treat celiac disease, you go on your gluten-free diet and you eat all that um, good healthy food and avoid the gluten that can hurt you, everything goes back to normal. All that good healthy tissue rebuilds itself and goes back to looking rough uh, like a sponge. That's good to hear. It means your belly gets healthy again if you stick to that gluten-free diet. Oh. All right, Miles, I think you have a really cool next question. Dr. Verma, I've heard that poop floating in the toilet is a sign that you have eaten gluten. Is that true? So, you know, uh, I love the poop questions. Uh, I guess Dr. Mellon said he went into 
uh, GI, partly because of doing these scopes. I went into doing this specialty so I could talk about poop and no one gets offended. So, <laughs> um, so uh, you know, uh, when the poop is floating, it can be many, many reasons. So as Dr. Mellon explained that there is the damage to the intestine, so then your intestine cannot absorb a lot of fat. And if your intestine cannot absorb fat, the stool will kind of be floaty and it will go up there. But there are other reasons why stool can float as well. So just because the stool is floating does not automatically mean that you ate gluten. Uh, so mom and dad shouldn't be looking at the poop all the time in the toilet to know whether you eat gluten or not. Uh, but some people, for example, if they eat a lot, a lot, a lot of fruits and vegetables, their poop will float. If you have lactose intolerance, poop will float. Um, so it's one of the reasons that poop will float with celiac disease if you eat gluten. But that's not the only reason. But yeah, excellent question. I love those. Let's have some more poop questions. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ava, what do you have? Dr. Mallon. With celiac disease being an autoimmune disease, am I at more risk to get other viruses like the flu or COVID? Maybe that's a really good question. And actually, when I've been seeing my patients with celiac disease over the last month or two, uh, I get this question a lot, and I think it's an important one. Autoimmune means your body is fighting off itself. Your immune system is supposed to fight off germs that come in from the environment, from people's sneezes and, um, and from dirty water and things like that. But autoimmune is, means it's just fighting off itself, where it's not supposed to be fighting off itself. So it doesn't mean when you have celiac disease, it doesn't mean your immune system can't fight off germs. It means it fights off germs probably very well, but sometimes it, it gets it wrong and fights off gluten too. So no, the answer is no, you are not at greater risk of getting coronavirus or COVID just because you have celiac disease. Your immune system probably works just fine, except for that it got confused when it comes to gluten and will continue to react to gluten, but it should react to germs and other things like coronavirus just fine. That's good news for us all to hear. All right, Brandon. Dr. Verma, why is this first thing you tell someone about celiac disease? So one of the first things when I see someone who's just been diagnosed with celiac disease, what I tell them, and if we talk about what do I tell the children, I tell the children that they can pretty much do whatever they wanted to do before the diagnosis was made. So don't let the diagnosis bring you down. That's what I tell the children. And what I tell the parents is take your time, learn about the disease, and really be able to listen to the children when the children say that they are sad because they couldn't get a cupcake at school. Um, you know, in the scheme of things, a cupcake is not a big thing. But when you cannot have it, it becomes a big thing. So the children, you should be able to do whatever you want to do. Don't let this condition keep you down. From the parent standpoint, support your children. So that's the first thing I tell between the mom, between the children and the parents. Brandon, what would you like me to tell someone? The gluten-free food tastes good. Ah, yes, I agree with you. Absolutely tastes good. And especially when your mom makes it. 
<laughs> not biased at all. <laughs> you should, you should, put a, you should mention your the wonderful cookbook now. <laughs> yes, indeed, indeed. It's beautiful. Yes. Thank you. All right, Miles, what do you have for Dr. Malin? Dr. Malin, if I eat gluten one time, does it hurt me forever? Miles, that's a good question. The easy answer is no, it doesn't hurt you forever. Um, we say that you should have a pretty strict gluten-free diet, that it's not okay to have gluten um, really ever. But we know that if you have gluten by accident one time, it might make your belly hurt. It might cause your immune system to react and cause some damage. But if it's only that one time and it's not regular, then your body will recover and heal from it. It's really the um, kind of regular or repeated um, eating of gluten that causes more long-term damage and can put you at risk for future problems with your health. But if it's just the accidental thing every once in a while, we kind of put people in categories of if people are doing a really good job or if they're trying their best but they're not doing the greatest job, a really good job is getting exposed to gluten like three or four times a year. We know that sometimes accidents happen and that's okay and your body will recover. But if you're doing it, if, it, if you're getting gluten either on purpose or sneaking or by accident, then it can hurt you if you do it on a regular basis. That's a good reminder that we want to stick to our gluten-free diet as much as possible. Right, guys? They're all nodding their heads. So even though you can't hear them nodding, I promise they're nodding. <laughs> all right, Ava, you're up. Dr. Verma, are the foods labeled gluten-free or certified gluten-free safe to eat, even if it says manufacturing a facility that processes wheat, such as Airheads candy? So, um, Ava, it's a very, very good question. And I think, in my opinion, it's fine if the food says certified gluten-free, you've read the labels, and there really is nothing in there that is gluten-containing. Um, I know that there are some families where they don't like to eat those foods if it says it's manufactured in the same. And at that time, I will respect those families and their decisions. Uh, but from a medical standpoint, if you read the ingredients, it says certified gluten-free, I would say it's totally fine to have that. So in my opinion, it's fine. Um, but as I said, there are some families who feel very strongly that they don't want to do that. And, and then I would definitely support them through that. All right, Brandon. Do yeah. Dr. Malon, do you think they were, there will ever be a cure for celiac disease? You know, Brandon, I hope so. And I think that's probably one of the best answers I can give to that question. Figuring out how to cure a really um, difficult disease like celiac disease um, is what a lot of researchers around the world are trying to figure out. Research is happening all the time in adults and in kids trying to understand how the body is, is working when it has celiac disease and how we can try to either reverse that or prevent it. And so there's some really cool research about different medications that kids can get or adults can get that actually changes the way the immune system works so that it doesn't respond to gluten in a bad way anymore. There's also ways that we're trying to figure out what are the things that are causing celiac disease 
around the world? And can we prevent celiac disease, especially in patients where we know through, you know, their family or their genes, like Dr. Verma was saying, that they're at higher risk of getting celiac disease. So I am hopeful that we're going to continue to improve uh, our knowledge about celiac disease, and we may even come up with a cure someday. Uh, I don't think it's going to be very soon because this stuff goes slow. But we've made a lot of progress over the last several years, and I hope that we continue to make progress, and maybe there will be a cure someday. So all of our listeners, you can't see um, the kids' faces on the Zoom right now, but when, when Dr. Mallon said that there might be a cure someday, Brandon's eyes just lit up and got bright-eyed and huge. So uh, <laughs> if that's how your kids' eyes look right now, you're not alone. <laughs> Very nice, Brandon. Those are big eyes you have. <laughs> um, all right, Ava, go ahead. Dr. Verma, will I ever be able to eat gluten again if a vaccine comes out? So, Ava, um, as Dr. Mallon said, there's a lot of research that's going on. Um, I don't know about the vaccine. There was a vaccine that was in production, and then there were some technicalities, so that vaccine is off right now. But there are other medications that are being researched and are actually in trials. So just for people to know, what happens is, you know, someone, some scientist has an idea of what they want to do, they kind of put a experiment together to see whether this medicine works or not for a particular condition. Once they do that experiment, it's in the lab, so the experiments go on, and then it's decided by a government, a governing body, that this medicine can be tried on humans, and that's called clinical trials. So there are some medicines that are being tried right now, a couple of them that are being tried on human beings, but adults um, that are called clinical trials to see if that medicine would help protect patients if they eat gluten. So we need to know that, first of all, that if you eat gluten and take this medicine, we want to prevent any damage. We want to prevent a lot of symptoms. So there are a couple medicines that are in trial right now being tried on people to see if it will be successful or not. So if these medicines, as they go through these different steps in the clinical trial if it's successful and if it's a safe medicine it will come out so there should be i'm hoping and i'm sure dr mallon and everyone else on this call is hoping that a couple of these medicines will come out that you actually might be able to eat some gluten i will say here that probably not in the very near future that you'll be able to eat a regular diet but I do believe that these two medicines that are out there, that you might be able to eat some gluten. So I think, Ava, the way I would look at it is that if you could get a medicine, that you could take it and then not worry about cross-contamination. Do you think that would be helpful? Yeah. Yeah, so if we could have a medicine, at least to start with, a medicine you could take, you can go out to eat, still eat gluten-free food, but you don't have to ask those questions, is it cross-contaminated or not? A huge thing, right? So perhaps that medicine is something, uh, Ava was nodding yes for people who cannot see um, on this, uh, since this is a podcast, but Ava was agreeing that having a medicine that would just help us with a cross contact would be great. So I think that medicine, strong hopes. And then the next medicine to think about would be, can you, are you able to eat a little bit of gluten? 
I personally feel strong hopes. To be able to eat a regular diet, I think we'll have to wait a while. So there's hope. There's hope. All right. Miles has the last question for us, and I think it's a really good one. Dr. Nowen, do you think gluten-free food tastes gross or good? <laughs> I think a lot of gluten-free food tastes really good. I've tried some gluten-free foods that I didn't like very much. But I did try a lot of gluten-free foods. I try them all the time. I don't have to be gluten-free, but I like to try things because I want to know what my patients are doing. Um, and as we talked about a little bit earlier, we, uh, my family went on the first celiac cruise where all the food that was served in our special dining room was all gluten-free. And it was amazing food. It was so good. All the food from the bread and the dinners and desserts, everything was so good. And my kids don't eat gluten-free normally either. And they didn't tell the difference at all. And they loved the food just as much as I did. So I think a lot of gluten-free tea, uh, food tastes really good. But I know that there's some stuff that some people don't like. Uh, and you get to choose. And you get to try all sorts of new things and try to figure it out for yourself. Now, we know Dr. Verma has um, some gluten-free um, background in her family, too. So, Dr. Verma, do you have any favorite gluten-free foods? So, you know, I, I won't mention companies, but um, just, I mean, I could, but I don't think it probably is the right thing to do. But I think the bread has been the hardest part. So I have two children who have celiac disease, and I remember when they were diagnosed um a long time ago, there was no options, and the only one bread was awful. It was awful, and we used to do a lot of baking and stuff. But I think even the breads have really come along. Um, but most of the bake, the pasta is just about the same, if not better. Um, and I think if we think about all the grains we could eat, like rice and quinoa and stuff like that, I mean, those are really delicious. Bread has been the hardest thing, I think, for me. But even that, recently, there's been some companies that have done a phenomenal job um, trying out. So I actually do enjoy the gluten-free food, and um, except for the bread sometimes. You want that real nice fluffy bread. I think that's about my biggest pet peeve with gluten-free foods. Miles, do you have a favorite gluten-free food? Um, that would probably have to be maybe like gluten free peanut butter in your towel and banana sandwiches. Ooh, that sounds, that sounds good. <laughs> I never like jelly. I always replace it for Nutella. Mm. Nutella's delicious. <laughs> yes. Wow. What about you, Ava? Do you have a favorite gluten-free food? Um, I like a lot of the desserts, like brownies and cookies. Mm. Those are good. How about you, Brandon? What do you like? What about Brandon, yeah. Donuts. <laughs> All right. Well, this was so much fun, guys. You kiddos asked some really wonderful questions, and I think the docs gave some pretty good answers, too. Uh, Sandy and I really want to thank all of you for participating today and really helping kids understand celiac disease in an easy-to-understand way that gets beyond some of the complicated science. So we know that this is going to go a really long way to helping families all across the country and the world um, really understand some of those tough questions on celiac disease. So we hope that everyone enjoyed today's podcast, and we will talk to you all again next time. <laughs>